I'm joined by a special guest, and we're going to be previewing the Maryland Terrapin season. You are Locked On Terps, your daily podcast on the Maryland Terps. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, everyone? I'm Trey Moore, host of Locked On Terps, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And today I'm excited to be joined today by Ahmed Gafir, one of the top people in Maryland Terrapins media and the founder of the Inside Black and Gold. Make sure you go check out his website and YouTube channel. There's a ton of awesome stuff for Maryland fans, and there will be a link in the description. How are you doing today, Ahmed? I'm doing well, Trey. appreciate you having me on, man. Yeah, of course. All right, let's dive right into it. I know you've been to a couple practices, correct? Is there any um, general thoughts you have, anyone standing out or anyone who doesn't look as good right now? Um, in terms of standouts or whatnot, um, you know, just from the, the open portion or whatnot, uh, a lot of it's just a lot of generic stuff. So, you know, for us, we get a chance to just kind of see who's present, um, wear a non-contract jersey, things like that. So, um, you know, I think, you know, right now, you know, obviously Maryland's kind of at that halfway point in fall camp, um, just with, I think, what, 13, 14 practices in, uh, they have their second scrimmage this upcoming weekend. So um, in terms of, you know, you know what's kind of left to do, obviously starts with the offensive line. Um, got a chance to see Mike Purcell. He was working with the first team offensive line. Uh, that was the first time we had seen that uh, all fall camp. Uh, it was previously Eric Harris. So, um, and then, you know, you get a chance to see the guys like Deshaun Jones, you know, you hear it, you know, kind of behind the scenes, but you go to practice and you see him, you know, working on Caden Prather at the, with the, you know, the top of his routes. Um, you see Roman Hemby, Antoine Littleton, you know, yesterday we were at practice as well. Uh, Cam Edge, you know, he was out there probably 30, 35 minutes after practice, just throwing with some guys and uh, yeah, anyone that's been around practices and things like that. If you see Cam Edge, uh, that is no surprise. So, um, you know, those are a couple of things right now, but um, we'll de- we'll definitely dive into, you know, standouts where, where kind of everything looks uh, momentarily. Yeah, no, definitely. I'm just curious, what are your expectations for the team this year? I say I'm hoping for eight, maybe nine wins, but what do you think is realistic and what are your expectations? Yeah, I do think eight wins is realistic. Um, I do think obviously, you know, realistically every year you know maryland's always you know in that top 10 in terms of toughest schedules and whatnot and um you know obviously they they have to play the ohio state penn state uh michigan as well this year we get michigan penn state at home uh ohio state on the road but um you know non-conference schedule sets up well for them i think just the way that everything kind of goes into that i believe it's october 7th uh game against ohio state um they have a chance to really get one gain a lot of momentum uh you have a chance to start out uh, I think good chance to start out five and zero, uh, but you know at the very worst, I think four and one is a realistic expectation for that. Um, but more realistically, when you kind of look at you know where the, the the weaknesses are for Maryland, you know it starts in the trenches. So uh, I think you know obviously starting out with Towson, then Charlotte kind of gives Loxley and Coach Braswell, you know some of the you know defensive staff just a chance to kind of tweak those things. So I do that's why I think you know eight nine wins if you know they're able to to kind of generate that momentum early and uh, kind of ride it into conference play. Uh, I, I, I think, you know, eight and then nine wins, maybe with a bull, bull win, uh, I definitely think that's possible. No. Yeah. I totally agree with that. Um, I'm almost expecting us to start five and oh, I know we can easily trip up in one game. That's a strong possibility, but if we start five and oh, I would love that start going into Ohio state, but I want to talk about Talia for a little bit. I say he's one of the most important Maryland players of all time. Just how what he's done these last couple of years, um, him as a leader, 
and just overall how he's played. I think he's one of the best players in Maryland history, to be honest, at the quarterback position. But what do you think about him, and what are your expectations for him this year? Yeah, I mean, I think uh, in terms of impact, it's kind of hard to make an argument that he's probably the most impactful player since Stefan Diggs. And I, you know, I think, you know, Talia, obviously, you know, he's reset the, the Maryland record book. I think he's first in 11 different categories, whether it's single season or career. Um, I just think, you know, Stefan Diggs, just, the, you know, his impact with, the, you know, being one of the top guys locally, um, opting to stay home. I think, you know, even today we still kind of see some some effects from it, you know, here recruits that think of it. But obviously, you know, in terms of Talia, what he's able to do, um, you know, I wrote this a couple of days ago, but if you ask any Maryland fan uh, prior to Mike Loxie's arrival, what is three things that you want to see out of Maryland football? Uh, stability at quarterback is probably one of those three. Um, Talia, obviously, you know, I think fans have maybe um, taken it for granted a little bit that, you know, we're going into year four and, you know, you've had that stability there. Um, obviously, I think it's pretty clear you can go into a Big Ten game and win with Talia. Uh, I just think that this year the biggest thing is going to be to – just be smart with the football. And I think we saw those strides from 2021 into 2022. Um, but, you know, last year, you know, the offensive line, obviously I believe they, it was 43 sacks was the, the final number that they gave up was most in the Big Ten. Uh, and they saw three of those guys end up departing for the NFL. Um, so obviously I think just kind of with Talia, uh, he's, you know, I don't know that you necessarily call him, you know, maybe the dual threat guy or, you know, the speedy guy, but, you know, it's clear that he's able to make plays with his legs. Um, so maybe just, you know, when he, out of the pocket, you know, just remaining efficient with the ball. Uh, and then uh, I also think, you know, just remaining neutral, uh, the emotional maturity. I think that Loxley talked about last year and, you know, when, if, you know, things are going bad, just, you know, making sure that it's not so evident. I think his second season, first and second season, it was a little bit evident in his body language. I think we saw a lot of strides last year. And uh, I just think, you know, especially early on with the offensive line and uh, we saw how Penn State can kind of get creative with how they, um, uh, attack Maryland's offensive line last year. I, you know, wouldn't be surprised if they run, did something similar again this year. So um, I just think that that kind of maintaining that is probably uh, one of the, the big things. And then you know, taking care taking care of the the big plays downfield. I think establishing that vertical threat is a big priority for him this year. Yeah, no, totally. And that leads kind of into the offensive line. I mean, you touched about it. All the new starters that we have. I mean, we're confident in Delmar Glaze and what he brings to the unfold. But what should we expect from this offensive line with all the new starters in the on the line? Yeah, I mean, I think uh, I think right now we're kind of approaching, and I think Loxie's even talked about you know just kind of finding that five and you know kind of building chemistry. Uh, you know, I wouldn't be shocked if Maryland, you know, going into that Towson game, you know, we see you know starting off to five, uh, DJ Glaze, uh, you know, I'll say DJ Glaze left side. Uh, Gotti Edzi on the right side at both at tackles. Uh, I'll go Corey Bullock at right guard. Uh, probably Amelia Moran at left guard, though, you know, Kyle Long, Marcus Dumerville. I think he's more of a, a two deep guy right now, but, you know, he kind of continues to rotate in. Um, and then for now, I'll say Mike or, uh, Mike Purcell, excuse me, uh, over Eric Harris, uh, even though that is kind of, you know, still a, still a battle there. Um, but, you know, we've seen it in the past. You know, I think it was two years ago where we saw DJ Glaze take the field instead of Jalen Duncan that first series. Loxley, the staff, they're not afraid to rotate in guys. So, like we said, you know, with Towson, with Charlotte, uh, I could see Maryland continuing to, you know, um, you know put, put new guys in, put Kyle Long in at guard. Um, uh, I think DJ Glaze probably playing left side this year. I, I could see that maybe staying pat a little bit more than, you know, staying on the right side as he did last year. But um, so I, I think that, you know, there is kind of a lot to, to kind of iron out. Uh, but I think maybe the bigger development as of this week uh, would be Mike Purcell. 
uh, kind of inching closer to that center spot. No, totally. And then I want to go on to the running back room in Roman Hemby, obviously a great redshirt freshman campaign for him. But I always talk about if the Maryland offense wants to take an even bigger step, he's going to have to take another step in terms of just more consistent play at times. But what are your thoughts on Roman Hemby overall in the Maryland running back room? Yeah, I mean, I think Hemby, uh, I think he's obviously, you know, that big play threat that, you know, Maryland fans maybe hadn't seen on the ground, maybe since Anthony McFarland. Javon Leak, I think, was able to, to provide that as well. But I think Roman Hemby kind of solidifies that for the room, and that was what they wanted. Uh, they, they scouted that out of high school, and they saw that. Um, and so that was what they hoped translated. And, you know, obviously he was able to do that in year two. So I think just building on that, Loxley talked about it, you know, those one-on-one plays when you're in space, uh, you know, making the defender miss, beating him. That's kind of that next step. Uh, I do think that one asset for that room is obviously returning everyone. Nolan Ray coming back. Uh, Ramon Brown, you know, he's been good. He obviously missed a portion. I think the second scrimmage, he went down, missed a spring game. So he's good. He's was a, a full participant uh, yesterday's practice. Um, so I, I just think another asset, though, is, you know, when you look at the offensive line and kind of the need to maybe solidify that unit uh, and obviously, you know, maybe some concern going into Big Ten play. I just think with all those guys coming back, pass blocking was a really big focus for them going into last season. And it's obviously, I think, one of the first things when you, you know, look at a, a running back making that transition from high school to college one of the first things coaches talk about, you know, take, you know, um, kind of building that up a little bit. So I think that's kind of what helps the room. Antoine Littleton, I think he's done a good job just kind of refining his his frame a little bit. I think he's able to, to you know, kind of pick up where he left off last year. Colby McDonald, I could see him being, you know, used in some short yardage situations. Uh, I know he's done well uh, so far in a couple of situations so far in fall camp. So um, then Ramon Brown, I think, you know, I think he's another dynamic guy. He has all-purpose back potential. Um, but, you know, there's only one ball. I think it's just going to be interesting to see maybe how the room is divided. I think, obviously, you know, Roman Hemby is going to be kind of that alpha dog in the room. Uh, but I, I just think uh, just the, the running back room as a whole, I think the big focus for them is to maybe find some consistency on the ground uh, in order to create that balance attack that Maryland wants on offense. Exactly. No, I totally agree with that. And we're going to talk about the wide receiver room and the tight end room after this quick message from eBay Motors. For a championship team, it's about making every player fit in just right. It's the same when it comes to your vehicle. Every part needs to fit in just right. So the next time you need parts and accessories, head to eBay Motors with eBay Guaranteed Fit. You can be sure every part you need fits right the first time around. Just add your ride to my garage and look for a green check to know the part will fit or your money back. Because just like in sports, confidence is the name of the game when you shop on eBay Motors. And with over 122 million parts to choose from, you'll be back in the game in no time after all. It's easy to bring home a win when the right parts are guaranteed. Get the right parts, the right fits, and the right prices on ebaymotors.com. Let's ride. eBay guaranteed fit. Only available to U.S. customers. Eligible items only. All right, so we're back. And let's talk a little bit about the wide receiver room and the expectations for Tyrese Chambers and Caden Prather, the two transfers that came in this year. Yeah, I think obviously this wide receiver room, uh, obviously losing three guys to the NFL last year. Um, I think on a national level, I think a lot of people maybe look at the room and think that, oh, and maybe it's down a little bit. But 
Uh, I think from a talent perspective, when you really dive in and, and kind of look at both what, what's returning and what they added, I think obviously, as you mentioned, Caden Prather and Tyrese Chambers, uh, I think this is a very dynamic room. And uh, Ty Felton, you know, uh, he touched on it yesterday. But when you just look at the room as a whole, you know, you have that big bodied receiver. You have Caden Prather. Uh, Leon Houghton is another guy who fits into that mold. Uh, you have the, the speedy guys and Octavian Smith. Uh, Braden Wazowski is doing a good job just building off of uh, getting here in the spring. Um, and then obviously, you know, your versatile guys and, and Deshaun Jones, I think it's a Ty Felton. He's another guy where, um, does a really good job. He's deceptively fast, probably one of the con- most consistently fast guys on the team, uh, since he's arrived. Um, and I think he's a guy where he hits his speed as well, where he's able to kind of take the top, the top off the defense as well. Um, so I just think that you, when you kind of look at the room as a whole, and then obviously you had Corey Dyke just in that tight end room, there's a lot of pieces to like and, and confidence reasons why you think that. Maryland's aerial attack is able to, you know, I, I think at least, you know, be as good as last year, but I think they have a chance to be better. Uh, I think Deshaun Jones, uh, you know, everyone talks about, you know, like we said, you know, the three wide receivers that left, but it was still Deshaun Jones who led the room and I believe it was receptions, receiving yards uh, and touchdowns last year. So I think, uh, excuse me, uh, he tied with Corey Dutchess for a touchdown. So, um, but yeah, I, I just think Deshaun Jones, I think, you know, I mentioned it earlier in the show, but just kind of with his veteran leadership being in his sixth year, uh, kind of taking a lot of these guys under his wing, even Caden Prather, who comes, uh, joins the room uh, with two years of experience at West Virginia. Uh, I think there's a lot to like, and I think that uh, it, uh, the, the Talia and Billy Edwards and Cam Edge, you know, a lot of these guys have done well through the offseason, uh, just getting inside Jones Hill House, working on their chemistry. So uh, I think the the passing attack has a chance to be uh, uh, very dynamic this year. No, yeah, I totally agree. Even though um, we lost Rakeem and Copeland and Demas to the NFL, I agree with you in the way that I think this group is deep, and I think it may even be better than last year's group. Obviously, last year's group was a very good group, but I think it has a chance to be a really good group. And now I want to move on to the defense. Jason Barham started as a true freshman, was one of the best players. Just how good can he be? Jason is uh, pretty probably probably will go down as one of the best players I've watched at a high school. Um, and I mean, it was evident uh, from even when he was at the math the way back. Uh, I think he's a really good guy. And I think, you know, him coming in last year, starting, uh, he was available in 12 games and he started all 12 games uh, in a room, you know, with uh, obviously Ruben Hippolyte, Tanaja Gote, uh, J- Jeremy Spragans, you know, a lot of, there, there were, was some experience coming in, uh, coming into that room. So uh, I think Jay Sean is a guy, you know, obviously he's going to be that leader. Uh, I think the next step for him uh, wouldn't really be necessarily with his play. I think it's just kind of, you know, from a, uh, a personality perspective, just kind of jumping out and being a little bit more vocal. I know Loxley's kind of thrown him and put him into turp jack situations last year just to start off camp and or start a practice, excuse me. And, you know, again, it's just, you know, getting him into the habit of being that vocal leader. Obviously, you know, your linebacker, especially your middle linebacker, is kind of your quarterback in the defense. And, and Jay Sean, it's exactly that. Um, but when you ask anybody in the room, I mean, I think Ruben has said it probably two or three times in media days. And, you know, when asked about Jay Sean, it's the way he carries the approaches the game, the way he carries himself in practice. Uh, he's very, um, just very driven, very focused. Uh, and I think that's a big reason why he's able to be such a dominant force. I believe he's on three watch lists right now preseason. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I, I fully expect him to be among the best linebackers in the Big Ten this year. Yeah, no, that's what I'm totally expecting from him too, to be one of the better Maryland linebackers I'm hopefuling um, ever. 
Um, I don't like to just throw that around, but <laughs> it seems like I'm doing that today a lot with different guys. But no, I mean, I think I think it's fair. I mean, you know, yeah. it's only one season, so you know, it's hard to uh, to say. You know, right now he's the best ever. I mean, I was a kid when EJ Henderson was was at Maryland. Uh, I remember Aaron, obviously Sean Merriman. So, and you know, we've had Dequell Jackson. You know, there's been a lot of good linebackers, but yeah, I definitely think that when all said and done, uh, Jay Sean has a chance to. You know, be like Talia probably has a, a couple records, uh, whether single season or career. Yeah, you just don't see that type of talent every day. And I want to move to the D tackle group with Jordan Phillips and a King Basote and others. But is this group deep enough? And who do you think really gets the nod and starts? Even though I know Coach Loxley and the defensive staff likes to rotate the guys a lot. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, Tyze Johnson, you know, he's another guy. Um uh Trey Colbert, um LeVon Johnson, he's another guy that he got here uh in the summer. But you know, Dylan Fontes, he's another guy who got here in January. Um he's done a really good job just kind of building off uh his his winter workouts in the spring. Um he was a guy they really liked, really prioritized in the 2023 cycle uh with Henry Baker, Brian Williams leading the way. So I think just all these guys. So in terms of the depth, um I think that you know based on kind of what I've heard, you know, just Think, you know, obviously, you know, you look at the defensive line kind of controlling the line of scrimmage through practices and whatnot. And yeah, you know, you do have to take into, con uh, into consideration that the offensive line, you know, they're, they're not there yet. Um, but the defensive line, I think, obviously, you know, like I said, with Jordan Phillips, I think what, even when he came in, um, the immediate talk was that, you know, he could be the best defensive lineman uh, in Maryland's room right now. And then, um, you know, Tyze Johnson, Tommy Akimbasote, you know, they've been able to show flashes. And, you know, we talked about it on the offensive side of the ball, but, you know, they rotate a lot of these guys in, in years past to, to kind of give them that experience so that when they're asked to be thrust in, into these big roles, they're kind of ready for it. Um, you know, another example, two years ago when they had Jordan Mosley, Nick Cross at safety, that was when fans started to see a lot more Bo Braden, Dante Trader on the field. So that's why I think, you know, uh, the, the, the experience that while they might not have done it in this capacity and, you know, this volume in terms of a uh, number of snaps, um, they've, they've kind of been able to show that flashes. So um, I think the, the front seven has a chance to, whether, you know, if they're able to kind of generate some pass rush, some pressure off the edge, um, I think that will kind of be the, the biggest question. But uh, in terms of the defensive line, I, I, I'm personally confident in, uh, in what that unit brings into the season. Yeah, no, I agree too. And I want to talk about the edge group a little bit. Sean Fuller, Kellen Wyatt, who um, played there, and Donnell Brown. What are your thoughts about them overall as players? Yeah, Grayson Fuller, you know, I mentioned it a couple of times on the site for subscribers, but he's another guy. He's done a really good job just kind of um, through summer workouts into the into fall camp. I think he's going to be a guy where he's kind of be uh, stepping into uh, a bigger role uh, off the edge. I think last year was just kind of reworking his frame and kind of getting switched to getting kind of used to just the way things uh, operate at Maryland. So uh, I think that he's he's kind of prepared for that, that role now. Um, and then Donnell Brown, you know, obviously uh, he committed back in, I believe, late December. Uh, wasn't with the team in January, but so he joined for summer workouts. Um, done a really good job. I think, you know, it's just, you know, kind of about him uh, being able to add to his repertoire. I think, you know, uh, Ricky Welch did a really good job breaking down his game on, on inside the black and gold. Um, and he did a really, you know, he pointed out, you know, how quick Donnell Brown is. Uh, but it's kind of be about just being able to replicate some of these moves and kind of um, being a little bit more refined with some of that. So I think that's kind of the next thing. And then just kind of being a little bit more consistent with it. So I think Danelle Brown is 
will be able to, to kind of help off the edge. So we'll see, you know, how consistently he's able to do it. But uh, I think those those two, Quayshawn and Donnell, will probably be the, the primary guys. Yeah, and I want to move on to the secondary a little bit. Um, I saw Coach Loxley's um, press conference about how Tarheeb looks like he's going to play the outside and that the slot is kind of an open competition right now with Shepard on the other side. So who is kind of the leader you think in the slot cornerback position? Yeah, I think, um, I think that's kind of fluid. So I, I, I think, I think what, what locks, so I think what he was trying to say, like, I think still will, you know, he'll play nickel inside at times. Um, I think what they're trying to do is trying to uh, bring along some of the depth a little bit. So, you know, I think he mentioned, you know, Gavin Gibson, Glenn Miller, I think is probably a guy uh, doesn't really get enough recognition because He's not consistently or he's not named a starter per se, but um, guy, he's really experienced, uh, one of, probably one of the harder hitters uh, on that defense. So I think he's a guy, Avante Williams is another guy that's able to step into that role. Um, and I mentioned Gavin Gibson as well. But I think, you know, Gavin Gibson, um, you know, between Gavin, uh, Lionel Whitaker, uh, Perry Fisher, who I think is maybe a year away from stepping into a bigger, bigger role, but I think maybe we'll see a little bit more. Um, then Corey Coley, you know, all, you know, he's coming back for his third season. So all of those guys, you know, I think Gavin Gibson has done a really good job of kind of being proactive. You know, I mentioned uh, on inside the black and gold uh, a few weeks ago, and he was sporting a leg brace after an off season uh, surgery. Um, so he's done a really good job just kind of acclimating himself through camp. So I think that he kind of gives confidence uh, to the outside cornerback room. And the reason why I mentioned, you know, Gibson, Whitaker, uh, Coley and then you know Perry Fisher you know we'll kind of see how he rotates in is because I think all those guys will be able to you know step into that cornerback two role uh, opposite of Shepard and that will be able that will allow uh, still to you know move into the nickel um, I also think you know Maryland's you know they haven't uh, been afraid in the past to move still in the nickel to you know maybe you know insert a new blitz package to kind of you know uh, show new um show new front uh so i think you know still has kind of been proven that he, he's capable of doing that as well so i just think that there's a number of guys that, you know i don't think it's necessarily locked into uh, you know still as an inside guy you know i think a lot of these guys just the versatility that they offer uh gives uh cornerback coach henry baker gives safety coach zach babatol and defense coordinator brian williams uh, a lot of interchangeable pieces there so um again you know i think obviously uh, you mentioned you know jake on shepherd i think he's going to be able to go against those number one corners uh, every week. So I think that, you know, a, a lot of these guys and just kind of the ascension of Gavin Gibson and Lionel Whitaker uh, kind of round out this room. Yeah, no, it it's an interesting room. I think guys are going to have to compete for playing time, and it might take a little bit to find that groove in the starting three because um, there's young guys and there's veterans in the group. But I want to talk about the safety duo, Dante and Bo, for a little bit. Can they be the best safety doing the Big Ten? Yeah, I mean, I could see it. You know, I, I don't think uh, Maryland fans would like to see Dante and Bo, uh, or uh, yeah, Dante and Bo end up being their uh, top two tacklers like they were last season. Uh, but yeah, I think, you know, just kind of with the range, the athleticism that Dante Trader has, uh, and then what, he, what Bo Braid's not only able to do uh, inside the box, but just with his play recognition overall and just his leadership. Um, yeah, I, I think, you know, Maryland, um, they, they have a chance, you know, if they kind of live up to those expectations. I believe uh, Phil Steele rated Bo Brady the second best draft eligible strong safety uh, for next year's draft. So 
um, you know, I think that there's there is a lot of confidence. And, you know, like I mentioned, you know, a couple of segments ago, just with Bill Brady and Dante Trader uh, stepping into those you know bigger roles to kind of get their feet wet two years ago, learning under Jordan Mosley, Nick Cross. Uh, I think those guys uh, really benefit. And then Dante Trader as well. You know, uh, obviously, we got a chance to see him in the spring as well for, for lacrosse. Uh, and he was, you know, we talked to him about it at, at media day. And or how does he balance, you know, football and lacrosse? You know, that's uh, it's not not every day you see two sport athletes at the college level. So uh, he was very dedicated, you know, making sure he was getting in some workouts uh, with football and and making sure that he was, you know, still still staying up to date with the workout, uh, the, the playbook, things like that. So um, he was definitely still involved, and he even admitted it uh, way more than he had to be. So um, I think there's there's reason why there's a lot to like, but yeah, I, I could see them be end up being, you know, maybe top two, top three duo uh, when all said and done. Yeah, I actually played lacrosse with Dante in high school for two years, so I do know him personally. But next, we're going to talk about some recruiting after this short break. All right, so we're back, and I want to give your thoughts on Jalen Harvey. Um, I know he released his top three with Maryland, USC, and Penn State. Penn State was the favorite for a while, but... I always said on the podcast, the fact that he didn't make his decision is probably better for Maryland fans because that means that he wasn't ready to commit to Penn State. But what are your overall thoughts on Jalen Harvey? And do we have a realistic shot of landing him? Yeah, I mean, uh, Maryland's definitely in the thick of it. Um, you know, I think it's it's been a weird recruitment, even in the spring. Um, you know, at first, even... I remember at first hearing, you know, he was not going to take an official visit to Maryland. And then I heard that he had set plans that he was always going to take an official. So there was kind of a lot that, you know, felt like that, that they had to kind of overcome uh, in order to get that. But it just felt like ever since he got on campus with the official, you know, Maryland's kind of been in it. Uh, I think, you know, Penn State, you know, they're, they're in a good spot. Um, and if I had to lean anywhere right now, uh, I would say Penn State. Uh, I think that there's still some confidence coming out of Penn State. Uh, last I've heard, you know, I think. I think every school kind of has reason to feel some confidence. Um, and I think that all three of those schools kind of have, you know, at least one person in their corner to, to kind of help them help their chances. Um, all, by all accounts, he's expected to make his decision by the end of the month, uh, whether it's, you know, by game one, by, you know, end of uh, end of September, uh, that remains to be seen. Um, but I, I did hear that he was contemplating some fall visits, but it sounded like that did not uh, end up coming to fruition. So uh, still sounds like, you know, maybe, you know, two, three weeks away, you know, we, we see things start to, you know, settle a little bit more, date finalized and whatnot. But uh, yeah, I, I would definitely say Maryland uh, is right in the thick of it right now. That's good to hear that they're in the thick of it. And I hope that we can overcome Penn State for him. He's an awesome player. I checked out his film. He could be a real difference maker. And he's the type of player we definitely need on the Maryland defensive line out there in the edge. But I want to know your thoughts on Ernest Willer. I haven't seen a lot on his recruitment or anywhere that's favored right now. But do you know any background or anything in terms of how Maryland's doing with him? Uh, yeah, I think, you know, Ernest Willer, he, he was. Uh... I believe at St. Paul's, mm-hmm. uh, don't double check me on that, yeah, uh, transferred down to IMG Paul. and then he came back to, uh, he's now at Concordia prepped out back at home. So I could see, uh, his, his recruitment kind of staying and holding pattern, you know, both with Maryland and other schools, uh, maybe until, you know, mid fall, uh, maybe after his senior season. So we'll, we'll, we'll kind of see how that shakes out. But, um, yeah, 
we'll see. You know, I, I could see him also not signing in December. So we'll 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 kind of see what happens on that. Interesting. And the last player I want to talk about is Derek Queen. The only basketball we talked about, but I've talked about him a good bit, and I think he's one of the best players, or he is one of the best players in the twenty four class. And Maryland is favored for him. We've been favored for a while. What are you thinking in terms of him? I saw Kansas was in the mix for a while, but Kansas committed another four man. So everyone said that was good for Maryland. What are your overall thoughts on Derek Queen and him coming to Maryland? Yeah, uh, Kansas getting uh, I believe a Fiore. Well, that was a big boost because that definitely takes Kansas out of the running. Um, you know, obviously Indiana's in the mix. Uh, he visited Georgetown unofficially, uh, I believe, last week of July. Uh, Houston, LSU. Uh, there's been a bit of Auburn talk uh, earlier in the spring. So. Um, you know, it sounded like initially going into summer that once he got back home that he was going to come to Maryland, uh, more of an unofficial capacity. But um, he just it's kind of ever since, you know, Tony Skin left, who was the lead recruiter over at Maryland. Um, been his recruitment's kind of been in more of a holding pattern. It's more of, oh, I want to visit. And I plan to visit. So not too, too much has changed. But, you know, obviously, you know, Maryland's right in the thick of it. You know, Maryland's done a really good job and, um, you know, help applies in football as well. But, you know, sometimes when you have these local guys who go to these big schools, you know, like uh, Montverde or whether, you know, IMG Academy in football, uh, you know, it, it kind of helps, you know, going away from home and, and realizing that, hey, you want to be back. So uh, I know, you know, Derek was, you know, took a bit of an adjustment to, you know, kind of get used to everything once he got down to Mount Verde. Uh, but yeah, obviously, you know, Maryland's right in the thick of it. The Maryland's done a really good job. Uh, head coach Kevin Willard's done a really good job. Uh, he's expected to take his official visit. His mom told me in October. Uh, so, well, you know, he will be on campus in the, in the next few weeks. Uh, as he starts to make his rounds. So uh, I think we'll start to, you know, kind of see things materialize uh, this fall. But uh, as of right now, it, it's kind of, you know, wait wait and see mode right now. But uh, yeah, Maryland's doing everything they can. Uh, they're they're in a good spot. He's been uh, very receptive uh, in terms of, you know, what the, the interest level, in terms of the fit, uh, in terms of playing under Willard, in terms of, you know, playing at Maryland, coming home. So uh, Maryland has checked off a lot of the boxes so far. And uh now it's about just, you know, let, letting him do his thing around the country and then, you know, kind of coming back home and saying, hey, you know, this is this is it. So uh, big, big major piece for the uh, 2024 class for Kevin Willard. No, completely. Thanks for joining us today, Ahmed. It was an awesome having you here today. Great. Appreciate it, man. Yeah, that's all we have today. Please like and subscribe. Check out the Inside Black and Gold. Like I said, I'll leave a link in the description. But thanks for listening to Locked on Terps.